I guess we should welcome ourselves back. Yo. Oh my gosh. This is Mo. I'm Jasmine. And this, this is Parenting, Parenting is Political. Political. We're back. Yeah. And guess what? Last time we were back, part of our intro was to say, if you hear noises in the background, it's because we believe that we should normalize young people and bringing your kids to work. But guess what? <laughs> Augie's a year old in yep. just like three days, two days. Yeah, three days. And um, that baby is asleep. Sleeping hard. We do um, We do have the monitor, so, you know, there might be crying at some point. Who knows? But, yeah, Augie is no longer, like, strapped to our chest and <laughs> just babbling away in the background. So, yeah. I'm sorry for those who really were into the baby cooing. Yeah, but maybe uh, the replacement that they can hear is this uh, <laughs> thunderstorm that's happening right outside our window. It is intense. Summer storms. It's happening. It's wild, y'all. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, we are back and we back left back with in. we left with the whole episode about sense of urgency and not rushing things. And I think I took it a little too literal. <laughs> <laughs> You're garbage, Mo. <laughs> And ghosted for a couple months, but... um, Do you want to give the folks background on why? Yeah, I was just about to say. Oh, so I cut you off? Yeah, it's all right. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, after our last episode, um, there was just a lot going on in our family. Transition. Transitions are very difficult, and we had a lot. I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail, but we had a lot going on in our family. It ain't nobody's business. Yeah, and it was really difficult, and... um, I also, I think I've talked about it before, I have depression, and um, when transitions happen, as those who have um, depression or anxiety or PTSD know that things can crop up, but I started new medication, shout out to medicated parents, let's end the stigma, because that's bullshit, Um, and I'm feeling a lot better, and things are a bit more stable, and... I am very excited to get back to podcasting because I love it. So welcome back, yeah. um, longtime fans and supporters, and welcome back new friends. Yes. Sorry for those we lost along the way. Uh, no, <laughs> I pissed off. So I pissed off uh, this, this woman that uh, used to pay reparations and yeah. follow the podcast. And so she canceled her account and... Um, as, like, a way to punish me for making her uncomfortable because she was fat-shaming people. And I said, what if it's not about what you weigh at all? So, shout-out to her. I hope she's listening. <laughs> we don't need your money. Um, yeah, so we're back, and it is... We don't need your money. It is... The day is June 19th, 2019. Freedom Which Day is Freedom Day. It's also known as Juneteenth. What? I was gonna make a mouth noise, and then I decided it was probably a bad idea. Yeah, that would probably. I don't know if people would like that or not. I don't care what people like. I like it. Then do it. No, not nah. anxious. <laughs> yes. So Juneteenth, we I we did a little bit. We celebrated with the kids today. It was a long work day for me, so but, we didn't yeah. do a ton because. Sometimes work bees like that. Mm-hmm. But we're celebrating liberation and freedom by doing this podcast. So go ahead. Let go. me just give a little background for our day. So um, 
I, Jasmine texted me and said, hey, let's swing by the library and library, <laughs> library. <laughs> so Oklahoma. I know. And, uh. We're sure in library. <laughs> and get some books for the kids for Juneteenth. I said, sure. Um, so I called the library and asked them. And at first they go, mm, what's Juneteenth? And then I said, oh, and then I explained what it was. And then I said, do y'all have, do y'all have any books in the kids section? And they looked it up and they had two. Um, so I think that's a really great place to start is the lack of resources and the lack of like understanding about what Juneteenth even is. So let me pose the question and we can get the ball rolling, Jazz. Um, what, what is Juneteenth? Yeah. Well, maybe you can start and you can tell me what you think as a person who is new to all of this. Okay. Whitey. Wow, yeah, all right. Um, So, from my understanding, um, Juneteenth is the day of celebration um, in the black community. It marks the day that the news finally arrived in Texas. Galveston, Texas, I believe, was where the announcement was made. Um, that Oh, the, you're getting real historical. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> push up my glasses on my nose. Um, that the Emancipation Proclamation was finally, the news of that was finally distributed to the folks in Texas, and that marked, like, the day that everyone realized that, like, freedom was happening. However, that happened a whole two years. Is that right? Yeah, it was two years after Emancipation After, yeah, that one president signed, uh, signed it. So, for two extra years, folks were still working as slaves, and nobody cared to tell them. <sighs> but yeah. So that's the day that that happened, and so in honor of that, folks started to celebrate. There was parades, lots of barbecue, (laughs) (laughs) lots of dancing. There was the electric slide. Yeah. Frankie and Beverly. So that's my understanding of it. Is that (laughs) that accurate? Is that what Juneteenth is? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It marks a historical time that two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Yeah. There were a whole shit ton. Am I allowed to say shit? Yeah, we cuss all the time on this podcast. Oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Uh, There were a whole shit ton of people that, um, you know, the enslaved people in Texas finally got word that uh, Civil War was over and you should go be free. Um... And, but then it, now everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's celebrate slavery being over. Uh-huh. But is slavery over? Question mark? Do you think it's over? No, I don't. Why don't you think it's over? Um, I don't think it's over because of, well, I mean, one example I can think of right off the top of my head is the prison industrial complex. Do I need to... Are we unpacking these as we go along? Yeah, maybe like just bring it down for folks who don't know what prison industrial complex is. Oh, yeah. So, jail. (laughs) (laughs) Railton and the cops. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, I mean, for years now, like decades, um, the... Well, I guess... Man, like, where do you start on this? Like... From the very beginning in existence of the police force, which was Mm. back when slavery was still happening, the Emancipation Proclamation hadn't been signed yet, 
which we're wrapping it all back into Juneteenth here, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Um, their whole jobs were to make sure that slaves worked where they were supposed to work, and if they tried to run off, they would kill them and or beat them or make sure that they were punished in some way. And that is where the the origination or the originating, um, basically how the police force originated. And so throughout the years, as that's grown, there have been, you know, racial profiling that takes place, um, which some, uh, a lot of people have heard of now, where brown and black people are targeted more by police and experience more police violence and brutality. And then also there's... Um, there was the whole like war on drugs thing that happened <laughs> where the president was like, let's target these communities who use drugs at a lower rate in proportion than white communities, but that was never promoted. And so mm-hmm. police force went into black and brown communities and started arresting folks at an incredibly high rate, um, which then gets to, I guess, the whole point about jail and the high, incredibly high percentage of black and brown and indigenous folks who are sitting in jails and prisons and work for next to nothing, which was Mm. what slavery was. You worked for nothing and now you work for, you know, pennies on the hour and you serve your time and then you're released back into society where you can't get a job because everyone looks at your your record and if you have some sort of cr- like criminal record or felony you no longer can you know have a job to feed yourself or feed your family or provide yourself with housing and so then the cycle starts all back over and yeah. if if what if y'all don't have a super firm understanding of this I really recommend um, the documentary um, 13 on Netflix to, to talk about abolition, prison abolition. Yeah, and the whole, like, the whole cycle, basically, that I just talked about. Um, Ava DuVernay really, like, does an incredible job. Um, Ava the God. Yeah, so that's one of the examples that was... Is that is that the example? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I would love your insight on it. You spent some time thinking about that, babe. Oh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> so, when people ask, isn't slavery over, you say no, and then you... So make sure I understand where you're where you're tracking here, and then you bring into conversation, you evoke the conversation around private prison, yeah, the school to prison pipeline, yeah, but even touch on that, and the overall instant like the 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 industry of mm-hmm. prison and how it has its history rooted in slave drivers, yes, um, and now the state through you know police of, of which. ICE is included in that yes, now. The, um, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Cool. So when people ask me the question, I always say that the institution of slavery has never passed away. Mm. What's and, the clarifying word of institution there? Yeah. So it is just like the box, the thing that uh, holds, holds the shape of something in, in this context. Okay. And um, when we talk about... Slavery ended, so why are we talking about reparations? Why are we talking about Juneteenth? Yeah. I like to say this iteration of slavery has ended. Slavery has evolved into something else. 
And in order for you to conceptualize it and for our listeners to understand it, I would um, explain it this way. So anytime you pledge fealty to something, you say, I'm going to be involved in this, I'm going to participate in this, and this is going to be a part of my identity. If you take away my right to vote or you deny me my right to vote, now taking away your denial can look like policy and legislation right or Mm -hmm. it could just be about like i'm gonna make it so fucking hard for you to find a polling station that you don't have the same uh level of accessibility to exercise your right as someone who is white in another county for example right so when you take those things away from me you have taken away my ability to engage in a system and be represented right yeah so that's a a form of slavery absolutely absolutely Right? Uh-huh. Unequal participation, power. Yes. Are we tracking? I'm tracking. So good. Mm. Okay. Did you have another one? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that, that, that that's, that's one of the necessary conditions, right? Well, yeah, because if, so, you can't, right. well, if you can't vote, if you can't even get to a voting place, and then if you get there, there's discrimination or magically losing votes or however that works, then you in a... It works to keep a slave class. Yeah. It right. works to keep... Yeah. I was mm-hmm. just going to say what you just said. Yeah, no, because you just... interrupted me. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Don't interrupt black women, y'all. <laughs> do not do what I just did. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, um, yeah, there are holdovers from transatlantic slavery and Caribbean slavery, you know, all, all of the historical contexts that are about the Emancipation Proclamation. And this iteration of slavery has morphed into something else. For example, if we uh, hypothetically had some folks who are undocumented in in our borders, we were taxing them and and we were not giving them the power to do the same thing that other citizens do, but they're here, they're working, that we're profiting off of their labor. What is that? Did you say hypothetically? (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, that's slavery, right? Yeah, it's slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's slavery. And it's slavery that um, currently the zeitgeist is to talk about what's happening with Latinx immigrants mm-hmm. um, and migrants, um, uh, you know, folks who are coming in to our borders that shouldn't exist. Not the people. They should exist. The borders shouldn't. Um, That's you know, a really important conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the conversation. Um, but it impacts black folks, right? Because black folks are, guess what? Undocumented. Yeah. Latinx folks. Yeah. But what you usually see are the white passing or lighter skin brown Latinx folks being centered in the conversation. And they're important. But anti-blackness operates in such a way that uh, the people who are going to be most impacted are, are those black undocumented latinx people afro latinx because anti-blackness is global yeah yeah so that's you know how i would answer folks who said is slavery gone gotcha what does it mean the other thing around juneteenth that always gets under my fucking skin tell me is the majority of people who talk about juneteenth primarily like non-black people of color and white folks when they talk about it, it's all about the suffering mm. of slavery, and uh, there's no com- there's not a lot of conversation around our resiliency. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Also, 
man, what a, what a tactic, right? Texas, Galveston, they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure people don't have access to information that allows them to engage in like their own liberation. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's really so at the, at the root of oppression, right? Is eliminating the ability to make a choice. Which is still happening today. Yeah, totally. I.e. our trip to the library where they have literally two books about something that's incredibly important in black history. Mm-hmm. That's a very small example. I'm just saying it still exists. Yep. Yeah. So, Jasmine. Yeah. Why are we talking about Juneteenth on a parenting podcast? I mean, I think... I think it's a it's a thing that parents ought to normalize. Yeah. And it's another entry point into the conversation around um, racial reconciliation and racial accountability. Yeah. And if you've got a white kid you're raising, they need to know about the tactic that happened that kept people who were by the law free and yet they weren't Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful way to um start conversations and really shape um a practice that helps white kids understand doesn't matter what the fuck the law says Mm -hmm. because the law was never designed to be in service of black bodies and lives man and if we were teaching white kids that or like yeah you know non-black people of color that like that is that's revolutionary because i think that like you know neo neoliberal thinkers which are not (laughs) me uh would say you know what i'm not even gonna open that can of worms (laughs) i'm not gonna open that can of worms what i'm going to say is that often whenever white folks who are progressive Mm -hmm. have a response for state sanctioned violence or people not having access to the housing that they need or, you know, whatever sort of like structural oppression and violence that have been um, enacted through systems of oppression, particularly anti-black racism and white supremacy, right? Um, They say, well, the law says that you can marry now. Mm. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean that like LGBTQ people are still fighting for? Like you can you can marry. Mm. It's in our law. Well, nigga, in okay, I wouldn't say that to a white person, (laughs) but it's it was in the law they were free. Yeah, and yet they were not. And you know, how many people in the tech startup company were like, in one year, I became a millionaire. Right? Like, if we're gonna, if we're gonna value, like, for example, if someone was like, it was just two years. Two years is not a big deal considering the lifetime of slavery they experienced. Okay, I'll gain you, I'll give you that ground. But then I'll say, how many people within one year of their life have made, amassed so much wealth, found homes, educated themselves in ways, had children, did all these different things because they were free to do them. They had the choice. So much. limiting the choice of a human being for two whole years and everyone around them, like their whole community, has intense reverberating impact mm-hmm. for generations. Absolutely. That means so much can happen in one year. Right. Like, and so imagine if parents told the story to their little white kids, like, look, the United States, we, you know, the 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 people in charge mm-hmm. made a rule 
that Africans could be free, which is like fucked up anyway. Right. And I hope your kid asks you all kinds of uncomfortable questions you have to sit with. But imagine if you if you said that to your kid and then you said, and then there were groups of Africans that were in in Texas who didn't even know for two years after that everyone else was free. And then you ask your kid to postulate, to brainstorm about what do you think those people could have done in two years for their family? You, you teach the ripple effect and the impact. Mm. And I think the same thing can be taught in a different way to black children and non-black people of color. But primarily our audience for this podcast is like queer families. I got white kids that are trying to be like little, little woke children. Yeah. Yeah. Because look, they're not going to, they're not going to teach you that in school. They may say something about Juneteenth, but they're not going to teach you how to think about Juneteenth. And like, I mean, that's, that's really where things come in to play, mm-hmm. right? Is like, how do you conceptualize it? How do you talk to your kids about it in a way that's not just going to be like, oh, I can regurgitate this factoid knowledge. Or do you teach kids how to like think through things and pick them apart and like question them? Yeah, absolutely. So there's like the critical conversation that happens mm-hmm. is cri- this like de- uh, development of critical consciousness. But uh, I also think that for the black community in of itself, it's about the beauty and perseverance and power that we have. Yeah. That, you know, you and your ancestors and all of the stop gaps and attacks and everything that has been levied against my ancestors, my people, my community that we keep showing up and doing, um, just so much with so little. Yeah. And that's not the hope, right? The hope is is not that I have to keep saying, oh, well, we only had a half portion and look what, how creative we've been. Um, hopefully, uh, we all are fighting and principles struggle for t- to eventually get to the place where that's not even a thing that people say. Right. And God damn the resiliency. Yeah. God damn the power and the beauty. Absolutely. And that's what Juneteenth is about, right? Like, getting really fucking free. Yeah. Getting free. I love it. The kids and I talked a little bit about that at lunch. We were talking about how... Because I, whenever I... Oh, and I told them, you know, like, it was two years after the thing was signed. They're like, what? How can you not know something for two years? So we started talking about, well, I mean, like, they didn't have TV. They didn't have Twitter. They yeah. didn't have you know, telephones and cell phones and just can, like, look at that stuff. Like, that people had to tell people, you know? Like, that that had to be a thing that happened. And we started, you know, discussing, like, what that meant and, like, how much... I mean, like, as a community, there's been, like, that resiliency and that growth mm-hmm. from such, like, a fucked-up starting point. You know what I mean? It deserves to be stated that, the you know, Juneteenth is obscure in the same way Kwanzaa's obscure. Yeah. I grew up going to Juneteenth barbecues. Yeah. Um, I grew up going to Juneteenth barbecues in Government Springs Park in Eat, Oklahoma, where the entire park was just covered with black people. And it was surveilled, and there were always cops, but we turned up. And it was some of the best memories in my life. Mm. Um, but the obscurity... people When people go, well, why didn't I learn about it in school? What is this? Oh, my gosh. Is this for hoteps? No. Ooh. This is not for like the the most black and the most African. This is this is like a, a ugh, I hate to say this, but this is an American 
holiday. But the reason why we don't know about it is because of the deep prevalence of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like, how y'all know when Boxing Day happens in Canada, but you don't know Juneteenth? <laughs> so real. Yeah. Like, y'all know when Groundhog Day is? Y'all celebrate a little creek rat. Dude, don't even get me A little creek started. rat. More than, like, your your fellow citizen, <laughs> your fellow person. I hate to use the word citizen, but, you know, yeah, for this, yeah. the context of this conversation. Yeah. Um, Groundhog's Day. Yeah, well, I mean, it just, and this is one of the characteristics of white supremacy culture is, like, the worship of written word, right? And if it's but not... But it's written down. Well, I'm just saying, for years and years, there wasn't the resources to do that. And it was oral tradition that was passed down, right? What are you talking about? What do you think that when do you think this time period was? I know when the time period was. I'm just saying that the written word that is prevalent within like school systems and the things that are taught, the people who are writing the textbooks and all that stuff is from a white perspective. Oh, yeah. No, that's hella true. Yeah. That's all I was trying to get to. Cool. <laughs> it started rough, but it landed well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna get my uh, feedback survey rank you low on that one. That's fine. No, that was a joke. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Oh, growth, man. though. You know, growth areas. Yeah. So, also, there's this thing that happens in white consciousness around, um, like, social spaces, pop culture and news and communication, where, that, like, whiteness requires a critical mass of conversation for it to be valued, and that's about... That's that colonizer mentality, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if it's not big, if there's not a lot of people talking about it, it must not be important. Or if there's just a small amount of people, it has to be curated in such a way that still makes it feel exceptional. Like, oh, small business or cottage industry. Mm -hmm. And that's all capitalism bullshit. Yeah. Which is what helps white supremacy survive. Yeah, capitalism is slavery. Yeah. So slavery is not over because yeah. we live in a capitalistic society that keeps people from getting the things they need by extracting. By de- no, by, by design. By, well, by design. Desi- yeah, but the design yeah. is extraction. And... No, a tactic is extraction. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Look at me using the, words. The, ha- the, ha- <laughs> the, habit, the habit of capitalism is to extract and commodify people, but yes. um, the necessary condition for capitalism to function is to have a class of people who will always be second class so that there can be a first primary class that can exploit them. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Are you like throwing shade at Megan who probably will listen to this? Uh, no, I'm not. I was just like, I don't know what to say after all of those words. That was oh, a lot. Oh, shit. Yeah, maybe, that maybe was we, academic shit. That was, but it's okay. We can bring it down. Yeah. But maybe oh, not in no, this episode. You, but, I mean, I, we can bring it down right now. Okay. I got it. I believe that you have it. You ready? I'm ready. I don't... Your kids yeah, participate, participate in a system, and you, as a parent or a caregiver, say you have more power, and so they have to do what you say simply by the feature that you have power. Yeah. We've been talking about that since episode one. And in doing so, you relegate them to second-class family members. Correct. There you go. That's it. That's capitalism? Essentially. I mean, if we're going to water it down a bit. Yeah. There's a lot more tactics and culture and um, conversations around, like, economy. Right. Um, but, like, at 
its core, it really is about using your power to ensure that other people do not have the same level of access and participation so that you can maintain your power. Yeah. It's a really beautiful way to put it. Mm. Yeah. I wish somebody would debate me, though. Do you want me to try? Come at me, bro. Capitalism is good. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Well, anyway, happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Happy freedom. Eat freedom some day. ribs. I'm not going to say what to eat. Some like watermelon. Be, I feel like that would be... You know, early Juneteenth recipes, the reason why there were so many red foods... Yeah. Because red is a color of perseverance. Is it? Yeah, no, really. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I learned that just now. I was today years old when I learned that. Maybe I made it up. You'll never know. Oh, like that time you told me Adele's real name was Victoria? <laughs> and I had you calling her Vicky? Yeah, for like <laughs> years. Yeah, I never Googled it. Mm-hmm. That's how much I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> No, that wasn't made up. It really, it's true. Like, eating red foods is a symbol of perseverance. Huh. I'll have to research that. That's why I'd be wearing them red lips. Mmm. So. Great. Yeah. Oh, hey. Here's a th- great thing you can do. What? If you are a person of means and you have more than you need or more than you can use or you're given to such notions find black folks in your life and pay them reparations every day but especially on freedom day yeah that's a good call to action Mm -hmm. y'all should do Mm -hmm. that for sure yeah and ask your kids how how can they celebrate the black folks they know Mm -hmm. don't give them the conversation about slaves and like in there connected to the present and demonstrate the ways in which Today, black folks are still not hearing the news of their liberation mm. by design of our society. So whether that's redlining and not being able to get homes, whether that's redistricting school zones so that kids are pushed out of quality education institutions, whether that is revoking um, reproductive choices from folks, which will obviously disproportionately impact black uh, women and non-binary people and black people who can become pregnant, right? Uh, think about what your family is passionate about, where you find yourselves in the cross-sections of life, and then apply that. It could easily be something that feels less heavy to you, which, you know what, fuck you, your kids should have to deal with the hard stuff if my kids do. Um, but if you are not about that life and you're like, look, I just want to talk to my kids about art, talk about the ways in which, just like people have not received the news uh, of emancipation back in Galveston way back when. There are people today who don't receive the news that art is a powerful, beautiful thing. There are black kids who will never have an opportunity to have an art program or to go to a museum because of the structural inequities of our society that keep them from accessing those kind of beautiful things. And you can um, workshop with your kid and your family members a way to get the news to them, that they're liberated, that, and then, you know, facilitate access. Yeah. Uh, but don't do it in a white savior way, because then you might, you know, 
it's it's tricky. It's, it's a, a balance. Tri- it's yeah. a tricky space to hold because black people are really self determined and capable, and we don't need you out here trying to empower us. We are already empowered. Um, but being a comrade, being united in this struggle to figure out how to make a more just world looks like sometimes saying, hey, I'm going to buy an all-season pass to a black family so I ensure that their kids and, and the family is always um, getting access to mm-hmm. these, you know, different yeah. things. And as always, as always, 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 the first, the first starting point in being a fantastic comrade to black folks is having these conversations with you, with your partner, with your kids, with your dogs. Like these things matter, right? That's right. that's where change in the most micro of ways and the most macro of ways is gonna happen. Micro macro. Big and small. Y'all, thanks for hanging in there with us. Yeah. Thanks for holding on. Y'all are some real ones. I'm excited about the season, Mo. I'm also excited about it, and if you are excited about it and want to follow along, you can check us out on Instagram under the Parenting is Political handle. We are also on Facebook, but I don't really like Facebook, so I'm not going to promote it. You can always email us with your questions. Mo, I don't want to burst your bubble. What? But Instagram is owned by Facebook. It's the same thing. Oh. It's fine. Well, we got to delete both of them now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So but what I was saying, yeah, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, both under Parenting is Political. You can email us with questions or you want to continue the conversation at um, contact at parentingispolitical.org. And also you can subscribe and rate us and give us a review. So on, far on iTunes, we have all five stars. Yeah, we do. Because y'all are the best. Mo, before we got together... Was was a was a single gold star, that was a queer joke. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't get it, it ain't for you. That's true, gold star. Ooh ooh. And I think that's the end. I think that's all we got. Do you have anything you want to say? Sign off. Uh,